genre. And welcome back to The Doctor's Companion Presents Doctor Who, The Long Way Round, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Cass Fredrickson. And today on the show, we'll be discussing Snake Dance, The Fifth Doctor's Ninth Story, and a sequel to a story that we covered previously on the show. Kinda. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. So this is uh part of the um the twentieth, am I remembering that correctly? Um twentieth yes. anniversary season. Um and uh this is in this season, um you had uh John Nathan Turner um had this sort of uh thing where he's like wanted everything to be a returning villain um every story wanted it, he wanted it to be some kind of returning villain this one however is like a weird a slight kind of a weird one because he's just like let's have a returning villain that snake thing from last season so <laughs> so not quite like a like a big like bombastic returning villain kind of thing in this in this particular situation but um but uh, yeah, so um, basically, uh, Christopher Bailey had written Kinda, and when it wrapped production, Eric Sayward, the script editor, um, was really impressed with it and wanted Christopher Bailey to come back. Christopher Bailey was like, "What? What? What are you so impressed with? You rewrote my whole script. Uh, like, why? <laughs> why do you want me to come back? Like, I don't want to come back. You're just gonna rewrite it." And like, generally. Christopher Bailey has had like a really bad, just bad vibes with television in general, like not really understanding what the role of a script editor is and like consistency of tone and across episodes and things like that. And didn't really understand that, like, yeah, when you write something and it doesn't quite match what the rest of the show is, the script editor's job is to rewrite your script and get it to match. Um, and uh, and in general, all of Christopher Bailey's TV work. Um, he was frustrated by constantly being rewritten um, because he came from, I believe, uh, the stage where no one touched the pl- touches the playwright's shit. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he had like a real ego about it. Um, and uh, and so the only reason that he came back was that Eric Sayward promised not to touch a word of his script. Um, and so he was, he gave him basically a checklist of everything that he needed to accomplish in this story, um, and, uh, told him to, to make sure that all of them got it, all of these elements got in. And if they did, then, then the script wouldn't be touched. So Christopher Bailey, um, uh, agreed to come back. Um, also returning for this story is Fiona Cumming, who had previously directed Castra Valva. 
Um, and she had a lot of fun with that story and was anxious to come back. But when she came back, she wanted to do something that was heavily character centric. And so uh, John Nathan Turner and Eric Sayward both thought like she would be a perfect choice for Snake Dance and uh, and brought her in as well. Um, also going on behind the scenes at this point were contract negotiations, exciting, exciting stuff. So, uh, (laughs) basically what happened was they went and do contract negotiations with, um, with, uh, 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 Nissa and, um, Sarah Sutton, the, the actress, um, she decided that they had taken her character as far as they could and so she was like i think it's time to wrap it up so i'll come back i'll do some episodes this season but i want to leave halfway through so if we're going to be leave if i'm going to leave halfway through i don't want it to leave like a light switch so let's start like writing tegan out and having her grow and mature um in a way that when she does leave it's not going to be shocking or surprising to anyone um, and so that was one of those checklist notes that that uh, Eric Sayward gave to Christopher Bailey for this. It's like, hey, um, make sure that Nissa is growing up, I guess. Um, <laughs> give her some moments of of maturity um, and uh, uh, show that she is starting to outgrow the TARDIS. Um, so that's happening. So she ends up signing a contract that brings her through to episode... I believe 20 episodes. Yeah. 20 episodes in season 20. Um, and so then they go into contract negotiations with Tegan. Um, and for some reason, Janet Fielding was only commissioned for 18 episodes, which was a shock to, um, everyone because they knew that Sarah Sutton wanted to leave and they gave her 20, but then Tegan (laughs) was only 18. So they're like, I guess she's on the way out too. I don't know. Um, so that was a surprise to everyone, but uh, uh, Janet Fielding, uh, most of all, and Janet Fielding was just sort of like, I mean, I guess I'm just biding my time and waiting to leave the show. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. And then uh, and then, of course, Peter Davison signed for the for the full um, full year of season 20. Would um, that prove to be true with Tegan? Was she, in fact, on her way out? No, not for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she le- she leaves next season, I think. I don't even think she leaves this season. Cuz she's in the she's in the Five Doctors. Um right. which is the finale of this season. Right. Um so, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. They must have like she, fixed it. <laughs> yeah, cuz she leaves right before she, Planet of Fire, right? Right, yes, right she, the, uh, the story before that. She lives leaves in doesn't she leave in the Dalek one? resurrection yeah 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 yeah. that's right that's right yeah um well good for her yeah so uh so yeah so the 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 story went off um without a hitch really um you know production happened the way that it did there is some really there's this really weird story where um uh peter davison was asked by john nathan turner to um come to Trafalgar Square where he would be shooting a promotional trailer for Australian television. Um, And so when Peter Davison arrived, um, he was surprised to see 
uh, Sarah Sutton there and Janet Fielding there in full costume, along with Matthew Waterhouse, um, who was, of course, Adric. And uh, and was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and it turned out that uh, John Nathan Turner had secretly signed up Pete Davidson for an episode of This Is Your Life, um, which is <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, which which is a which is a uh, a, a program um, <laughs> in which people are uh, like famous people are are uh, uh, confronted with their life up to this point uh their career and like sort of like interviewed about it i guess that's so funny um, yeah and i misunderstood i thought i thought this is your life was one of those shows where they show you your genealogy and your heritage no okay i was like why are they all no. dressed like doctor Who? no characters? no okay. no because that hadn't happened yet like that that right. dna yeah. stuff hadn't even been that's not a, like a thing yet <laughs> that's true that's like brand new for the OJ trial. That, that that's like that's right. Yeah, we're like twenty we're years away from that. Still, um, fifteen years away from that. Um, so, uh, so that, so yeah, so that was like a really weird uh, moment. But he is uh, one of two Doctor Who stars that has had a "This Is Your Life" episode. The previous Doctor to have gotten one of those um, specials was John Pertwee, uh, which wow. is. Uh, something i'd like to watch um is it always a surprise yeah apparently it's always a surprise that's that's like the point it's like you're not prepared for this like you know big like (laughs) yeah and i think the idea is like oh your life is flashing before your eyes i think it's like Mm -hmm. the idea but yeah (laughs) um they like confront you with people in your past like it's just this crazy crazy thing confront as if they're like mad at you but you know they're just like look at your mom yeah here's (laughs) your mom you know and you're whatever here's your childhood best friend he's here you know like they do all this research into your life yeah (laughs) um so anyway uh just a weird weird little weird little side thing um and then the uh, the only other bit of like kind of trivia uh with this particular episode is um well, we got we got two things. So number one, this was shot first in season twenty uh, because of the extensive on location shooting of the um, the premiere, uh, the uh, Arc of Infinity. Um, the uh, they they ended up shooting this one first because it was like all sets, uh, <coughs> and then um, the last episode of Snake Dance. Um, in post-production went way over. And so in order to um, cut it back to time, uh, uh, Fiona, um, uh, she, uh, Fiona Cummings, she took uh, the last scene of the episode and just removed it and then just sort of tossed it off to the next episode's director and was like, here, you can use this at the beginning of your story. And he did. Um, so, <laughs> so that's why at the beginning of the next story, it's going to start with the doctor and Tegan talking about how the Mara can never get her again and she's safe now. Um, and, you know, uh, and this episode makes... just sort of stops. <laughs> it does. Now that you mention yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I liked like, it though. yeah, it was cool. It was like, uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was, it, it got out like real quick, like a, like a 1970s movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's like and it's over get out get out of the theater leave um, 
it's you don't always have to shuffle back to the TARDIS at the end to kind of go over what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can save that for the beginning of the next episode. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's uh, that's Snake Dance. A, um, I'm curious what we all thought about this one. Um, Cass, I believe you called this one a banger. Yeah, hell yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) This was even better than I remembered it being. Um, I had a really, like, I had a lot of fun revisiting this. Um, The sets are awesome. The costumes rule. Uh, I really like Fiona coming as a director. um, And I'm Mm -hmm. excited for, like, the other two stories that she's done. Because, like, one of them is, like, considered one of the best Doctor Who stories ever, and one of them is my personal favorite Peter Davison story. So, yeah. I don't know. This one was fun. I'm excited. Nick? Um, You know, this one, I, I, it's really cool that you mentioned that the director wanted something character-centric. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I found this to be, like, the more that I was thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, this was a very character-centric story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed the ensemble. I just thought they each played such a fun role in the story that I the the normal the running around that is early Doctor Who that I love so much, it was like fun instead of like a chore. Mm-hmm. Um and also, even now, as like, you know, an adult in the 2020s. This was like a pretty spooky episode. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. some imagery that I was like, gosh, if I was like a kid in the 80s, this would have given me nightmares. It's trippy. <laughs> it's trippy. It is um, trippy. I would I would say that um I I I really like this story. Uh and I and I think I like it a lot more than than Kenda. Um, which I like fine, but I'm not over the moon for it like some people are. Um mm-hmm. But uh, I like this one a lot more. However, there are little things that um, I that do bother me about this, and I don't know really who to blame. I don't know if I want to blame if it's if it's a post production thing, if it's Fiona uh, coming as the director, if it's um, Christopher Bailey as the writer. But there's like little structural things that drive me nuts. Like in the first episode, there's like um, there's a scene between the prince and the queen. That is one scene that they just keep cutting back to, right? Um, and and it's just, but no, no time has passed between cutting back to it. It's like you pick up right where you left off. And so it really does feel like it's meant to be seen as one scene. But mm-hmm. we keep cutting back to the TARDIS and things happening in the TARDIS. And a lot more time passes in the TARDIS between scenes than in the scene with the Queen and the Prince. And so it just... It just like hurts my brain to like watch it, it because I'm just like, <laughs> but no time has passed in the throne room, but that it's been at least like 20 minutes in the TARDIS. What is That's going so on? Why do, how do we keep cutting back and forth between these? So that was driving me nuts in the first episode. That's um, and then I think, I think that the trippiness, the sort of like, um, uh, the like existential, like, I don't know, whatever, like, crazy stuff that was going on in this. Um, I don't know. I wish it was weirder, I think. I wish it was even trippier and even weirder and more, like, like, it seems like it wants to be very abstract. Um, but 
you know, they're very limited on what they can do with like, you know, shooting on video or whatever it is that they're shooting on. Right. Um, and so it's, it, yeah. So it's, it, I wish it was, I just wish it got a little, it could get a little weirder. Like, I'm just like imagining like a world where David Lynch directed stick dance and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> Like there's a world where this could have gotten a lot weirder. Um, I think and, throw David uh, Lynch into any. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's huh. definitely true. But uh, but yeah. I'm I just guess like, you were going to say something. Thinking about oh, Dune think... a lot watching this. His Dune. Yeah, yeah. I was too. Um, that's so weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is 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 the the desert planet thing? Is that Dune's fault? Like is. Do you do you guys know? Because I know that it came out in like what the fifties that book. So like, well, I mean, if I wanted to be like a a jerk, I I would say like you know Edgar Rice Burroughs, like that's like oh, a, yeah. you know Mars John is Carter. Mars is a oh John yeah, 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 of yeah, Mars. yeah yeah princess of Mars. But Dune definitely like I think what got me thinking about Dune a lot personally was I can't remember the last Doctor Who story where the like the pre-established like mythos of a planet was like being explored or reintroduced. Like the fact that this place like 400 years after Kenda mm-hmm. and the relics and like this belonged. We don't know what happened. I'm like, Oh, but I, I, the viewer do, I, you know, I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really cool. It's a cool way to do a sequel because it is like a completely different kind of story from Kenda. Which is like mm-hmm. not typical with like sequels of any kind, really. Not like this. Mm-hmm. So, Kenda was more like a feuding, feuding people on one planet story, right? Yep, yep. And then there was also a snake god, of course. <laughs> in addition, in addition to the feuding peoples, <laughs> I really want them to finish the trilogy. I would love for for the Mara to come back. Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot. I was like, that would be a really cool pull to like apparently, bring back. Like, apparently, they did a big finish story. Um, oh yeah, that, sure. That is considered like you know the the sequel to Snake Dance, but I haven't listened to it, and I'm not sure. Like, is it a know, Davison guess... story or is it a different Doctor? Uh it's probably Peter Davison. Let me look. Mm. Yeah, I don't listen to any of his because I don't consider them canon. Um. Snake. <laughs> yes, it is. Snake Dance Two is still dancing. Still dancing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why so. don't you consider them canon, Scott? Um, because uh, the Fifth Doctor has a very like closed loop of an era, and so uh, having additional stories doesn't really make any sense for his era. Um, got it. And also because, like, they do stupid stuff, like bring Adric back, but now he's, like, a 55-year-old man. Um, and But he's acting like a kid. It doesn't, it just doesn't <laughs> make any Yeah, it doesn't, oh, it doesn't make sense. Oh, any oh, oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It, it's bad. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work at all. And, like, God bless them for getting Peter Davison a paycheck and, and the whole crew uh, an mm. ongoing paycheck doing those big finish audios. But those are not canon. I, I, I just, I, I refuse. I refuse to accept <laughs> them as canon. Um, that I, I only consider sixth, seventh, and eighth Doctor stories uh, canon, I think. So I'm even I, I'm I'm curious about nine and ten, 
you know, those those stories. I'm very curious right. about them. Um, but I don't know how either of them could be canon, but I don't know. We'll see. I haven't right. listened to them. <clears throat> um, but anyway. <laughs> Let's talk about Snake speak- Dance. Let's do it. Snake Dance, part one. Written by Christopher Bailey. Directed by Fiona Cumming. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, January 18th, 1983. Tegan has returned to the TARDIS, but so have her nightmares of her time being controlled by the delightful snake deity, the Mara. The Doctor and Nyssa are confused to find that the TARDIS has landed on the planet Minusa, where everyone is celebrating 400 years of the world being free from the Mara. In the heart of a Manusa marketplace, a noblewoman named Tana and her bored, spoiled son, Lon, prepare for the upcoming celebration ceremony by journeying into the cave system where the ceremony will take place. Nyssa and the doctor hypnotize Tegan and learn that she has again been possessed by the Mara and is responsible for taking the TARDIS to Manusa in the first place. The doctor and Nyssa take Tegan planetside to try and find a way to free their friend from the Mara's control. The Doctor travels into the caves, where he meets Lon, Tana, and their historical guide, Ambril. Meanwhile, Tegan slips away from Nyssa and encounters a fortune teller, who is only too happy to explain her grift to the strange new girl. Tegan shares a trick of her own, a snake skull that breaks through the fortune teller's crystal ball. So we, uh, well, yeah, we, we open on a very kind of like surreal, like 70s album visual of like... <laughs> Uh, an old man like sitting in the, in, in the sand. Yeah, I like to call him uh, the skinny Ben Franklin snake guy. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he um, looks like Ben Franklin to me. He just looks like a skinny Ben Franklin. It's because of the Franklin. hair, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and his name is Dojin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's spelled more complicated than it sounds. Turns out. <laughs> I looked it up on the on the TARDIS wiki, and I was like, oh, oh, there's a lot of dots. So he's hanging out, but then back on the TARDIS, it's I love I love I love it when I love Doctor Who because it can just start an episode with Doctor being like, "Wait, where are we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where did this thing take us?" And they, <laughs> uh, Nissa works out that they're on a planet that was. Um, I forgot the name of the planet, but it was run by the Manusa civilization, and then after that, the Sumerian Empire. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor's like, "Oh no, that's the planet where the Mara came from. Mm-hmm. Who would take us there? Oh man, <laughs> wait, I re- I remember someone yelling out coordinates. <laughs> it's like there's only there's only two people other than you on the ship, buddy. Yeah." Adric's not here anymore. You can't be confused yeah. like this. <laughs> and, and this is like, I don't remember. Was it me who yelled out those coordinates? Or was it the other person that isn't in the room? It's <laughs> just like, I never should have let Adric leave. They're like, Adric died. Oh, he that's didn't right. Leave. <laughs> he, didn't... <laughs> he died and he took all the dinosaurs with him. <laughs> had to kill all the dinosaurs. 
Uh. <laughs> and so they deduce they deduce that. So wait, so what was Kinda specifically? Not, not like what was that the is the name of the alien race? Um I don't remember. I don't I, yeah, I don't remember cuz the name of the planet was, is uh Diva Loca. Live in La Diva Loca. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what Kinda as a concept is referring to, um, but Go. yeah, I feel better that you that neither of you also remember. That was like oh, six so seasons I, ago, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. <laughs> um, it's it's uh, it was like a group. It was like a, a the the native people were the kids. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. It was the yeah. It was the natives and the colonizers. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I rem- I remember. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> we uh, we cut to poor Tegan in her bedroom having a nightmare about the Mara mm-hmm. snake dreams. Having some having those snake dreams. <laughs> I I liked. I I really love Nissa's outfit in this, and I love. Yeah. Her whole sort of like, this is the thing that they wrote in for her, where she was like, she's just being like, kind of like, is there something different about me, doctor? And he's like, I don't know. I don't get out of my way. I don't. <laughs> Do I seem more competent than usual? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. I like her vibe in this a lot. Um, these like later story uh, Nissa vibes are like really, really good. I like because she has like she has like big sister energy now because like every time the doctor mm-hmm. is going to give Tegan like shit, she's just like, doctor, don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what episode it is, but there is a part towards the end where uh, the doctor like briefly lifts Nissa to like help her down mm-hmm. and off a ledge or something. And she's like, thanks, but you didn't have to do that. Jerk. And, like, this- <laughs> <laughs> and that random other dude that joined their party was like, "Oh, you're you're in the you're in the doghouse now." <laughs> no, it's but, a police um, box. <laughs> Good one. Just walks away. I, I loved the mother and son. Mm-hmm. The queen Lon- and the, the prince. Yes, the son's name was Lawn. The Frederator's mm-hmm. son, but I can't remember the name of the the mom, the Mamra. I don't remember either. I was just I was kept referring to them as the prince and the queen. I don't know that I she mean, says her name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's sad. <laughs> There's a few characters who don't say their name in this, because um, apparently uh, Christopher Bailey was like obsessed with naming characters something significant, uh, and so my guess is. When he couldn't think of something significant to name them, he just wouldn't name them. <laughs> I relate to that. <laughs> Lost a lot of time just scrolling through Google looking up like German poets. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's a cool name? <laughs> but like, this, Lon the Sun was just so, he was literally, you see him and he's on a chaise lounge. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. like, I'm bored of this being the prince on this planet. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I love the conversation. Like later, the queen is explaining like why he's such like a punk ass uh, to somebody, and she's like, "Well, you have to understand, his father's not dead yet." 
<laughs> That's why he's so annoyed. <laughs> he wants to be king, but his father won't just drop dead like a normal person uh, and let him become king. And so he's bored of being a prince because he's been a prince for too long. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. He looks 17 years old. Like, maybe yeah. it's okay that that his dad's not dead yet. I don't know. <laughs> it's like Dune. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now that he's you, definitely got those oh. vibes. <laughs> now that you now that you mentioned that like the writer uh came from like a stage play, like it it mm-hmm. feels like a play, like specifically like the scene that was driving you crazy about how like cuz it it feels like that's like one scene and then we would cut to like the doctor and companions in the TARDIS like if we were watching it on stage. Right. Um, right. But that's not how TV works. <laughs> right. <laughs> or or even like this the first scene with the mother with Lon and, and his mom where you can imagine like curtains open Lon is mm-hmm. on a chaise lounge the mother comes in dressed for a party why mm-hmm. aren't you ready yet oh right. eat it right like, <laughs> um, we cut to like the festival or like you know the town and we see this man that's running like a snake maze yeah so this guy this dude is um Elizabeth Slayton's husband. Whoa. Yeah. Uh so he just he got the the <laughs> he got the role of showman, <laughs> which is just <laughs> once again, just another character that Christopher Bailey couldn't be bothered to come up with a an important That's name. True. For. <laughs> he's in like every episode of this and he doesn't get yeah. a name. No, he's just the showman. <laughs> Cass, would you go through a snake maze of um, a snake mirror maze? Um, at like a fair, maybe. I don't know. Not for money. What if it had heavy root? <laughs> right, yeah. Better not cost was, me anything. Right. He was charging money. And in the context of what's going on is everyone's preparing for the, you know, the 400th anniversary of the expelling of the Madra. Mm-hmm. St. Patrick driving the Madra <laughs> out of Deviloka. <laughs> 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 oh my god. <laughs> so he's like so, What's, the, he's, what's so the episode like, of The Simpsons where they all beat the snakes? Oh, whacking day. <laughs> yeah, it's whacking day. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. But so he's like so it's so he's he's hyping it to the passerbys like the market people that it's like, "Oh, it's like the ceremony." So this is like a religious themed maze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems like in poor taste. In, in general, I really like this set. This uh, like, oh, it's great! Like carnival slash flea market set that they mm-hmm. built. It's really, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And the uh, the open mouth of the snake that's like the mm-hmm. entrance to the maze. I thought was really cool. Very cool. So, like most of this first episode is. The mother and son being given a tour of the of the cave, mm-hmm. and like the son like not not caring, and um, an exorcism, right? <laughs> or like they they hypnotize Tegan, yeah. yeah, like dream hypnosis, yeah. I remember thinking, oh, this is why you have multiple companions, so one companion can help the doctor <laughs> with <laughs> exercising a demon out of the other companion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Uh, 
um she does like the deep thing where she's like in the guard she regresses to like her six-year-old self mm-hmm. um man what a feast of a role the this story was for for tegan yeah yeah i mean they wanted to like have an episode that like let her you know really shine so that was what this was designed to do and i think mm-hmm. they did a really good they did a really good job I mean, in general i think like because i think nissa also has like like a lot of business to do in this mm-hmm. in this story um which i really like so it's like yeah. an exploration of her relationship with the doctor and then like also like Tegan has her own internal thing that she's dealing with, which is, mm-hmm. it's cool. And she gets to be a villain dual role, baby. Yeah. <laughs> when they're, when they're exploring the town at Tegan is just fully possessed by the Madra. And the episode ends with her visiting like a fortune teller. That's like, Oh, I love how every like person in this town is so open to like, yeah, no, this is all, this is a crock. Like, look, it's just a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they all, like, love the Mara, and they also, like, all, like, hate it and thinks it's stupid. Um, It's just so, <laughs> so weird. It's like a real holiday. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, I like I the POV shot that we keep getting of like Tegan, like looking around and like Nissa, like trying to like snap her out of it. And it just keeps like passing by Nissa being like, <laughs> wake up. And then it just keeps <laughs> the camera just keeps going by. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like such a, like a interesting shot for um, Dr. Who. Uh, so mm-hmm. kudos to uh, Fiona coming. Cause that's a really cool shot. And then, uh, you know, I'm a fan of cliffhangers that aren't that are, you know, kind of out of the ordinary. Uh-huh. And uh, this cliffhanger of part one is uh, Tegan summoning a snake skull out of the crystal ball. Mm-hmm. And the fortune teller is just screaming her head off. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't seen that before. Yeah. But she's. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, There's a real Sam Raimi ending. That, that uh, <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Snake Dance Part Two. Written by Christopher Bailey. Directed by Fiona Cumming. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, January 19th, 1983. Tegan sneaks out of the frightened fortune teller's tent, proud of herself for delivering such an effective scare and cliffhanger. Back at the caves, the doctor succeeds in making Lon, Tana, and Ambril think he's crazy by insisting that the legends of the Mara are in fact history. Tegan manages to lose Nyssa again, and this time hides inside a hall of mirrors. Nyssa finds the doctor and tells him about Tegan's disappearance. The doctor decides they should both head back to the TARDIS so they can monitor the wavelengths of a cool crystal he found in the caves and decided to take. In the hall of mirrors, Tegan uses her Mara mind control powers to compel a local showman named Dugdale to bring Lon to her. Back on the TARDIS, the Doctor and Nyssa learn that the mysterious crystal has psychic properties. Dugdale brings Lon to the Hall of Mirrors, where the Mara places both of them under its control. And then um, we get a weirdly a reoccurring thing in this story, because part two opens with um, her, you know, the, the fortune teller screaming, but then she's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think of she that? She does get carried out of there, though. Cause then That's like, true. T- cause Tegan's in like full blown, like tee hee hee mode, um, <laughs> which is like a real weird mood. 
<laughs> I could see her mouth when she was screaming. <laughs> um, we we learn about uh, oh we go to that museum where we see all the uh, Samarian artifacts. I really like um, um oh my god what's his name uh the like the curator or whatever uh a- Ambril yeah a- yeah Ambril yeah I um thought it was Amber for a while. <laughs> I uh I don't usually like uh characters that are like like super aggro about how wrong the doctor is whenever the doctor like says something. Um but I like that it's kind of like this character and the doctor have kind of like kind of switched places to me cuz like this man is like operating from like what he views as like 100% logical and like not mm-hmm. not buying into like the superstition of like the Mara and stuff. And the doctor's like, actually, uh, I know about the Mara and the Mara's coming back. So like I like that the the roles are kind of reversed where the doctor like comes off as like this kind of superstitious, not like kind of like a hack almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't catch that. Yeah, no, I, I like that too. I like this guy. I, I just like the multiple scenes of the doctor just being like, just tell me the legend. Just tell me the legend. It's like, no, you're not going to get to know the legend. I'm not going to tell you the legend because if I tell you, you're going to tell other people and then people will know the legend. I don't want them to know the legend because it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just, it's so, like, the, the argument is just so silly. Um, And I, I, I love that. And then I love the bit with the hat where he puts on the hat of the, the, yeah, the, the six heads, and he's like, "You're the sixth head." And he's like, "Get out yeah. of my office!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, nah, I thought he was a great foil for the Doctor. They had a real like Bugs Bunny, Elmer uh-huh. Fudd relationship. <laughs> More like Yosemite Sam, I think, because he was get yeah. all like flustered. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh Tegan gets lost in the mirror maze and starts getting like haunted by the Mara. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a really well, creepy scene. What's the deal? I, I didn't quite catch what the Mara was saying when uh Tegan was like, but there's mirrors in here. The Mara hates mirrors, and the Mara's like, not anymore, bitch. Oh what? The... why? Because the end of <laughs> Kinda, a... they trap the the Mara in like mirrors. Um Yeah. And like I think because, like, it's just been, like, it's not the snake. It's in Tegan. Like, it doesn't matter now, I think. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Um, okay. Lon is possessed. He is uh, taken down to the May. Oh, so, yeah, like, uh, Tegan slash the Mara, like, <laughs> win, the, win the admiration of the showman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he... He thinks she's just like throwing her voice. And so she like tells the showman to lead Lon down into the maze so he can like possess him. Right. Um, Real possession. Yeah, it was interesting. It was yeah. like split. Like yeah. like self. They were they were themselves, but then also a hive mind. Yeah. For a second there, like at the end of this episode with the with the cliffhanger of this episode, it's like they've got almost like 
Spike and Drusilla vibes for a second. Because <laughs> um, of the way they're holding you know? their hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're just so like smug. I don't know. Like was, I honestly think cool. I love like, seeing her in those with those vibes though. Yeah. I yeah. I honestly think like the reveal that like when she is talking, like her mouth isn't moving, like it's the other guy, like when they're like possessed together is like really freaky. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I thought so too. Sorry. <laughs> Do you know if this? Yeah. Do you know if this got a like a? You know how like Kinda had the the remaster with like the effects, like they made the snake like CGI and stuff. Did this get that treatment too, or? I don't think so. Okay, because I think that would be really cool yeah. because the the effect of like the snake coming out of her arm is very silly, but like it's cool that like you can kind of like tell what they were going for with it. But I just, mm-hmm. I kind of want to see it with like better special effects. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But yeah, that cliffhanger it really it really felt like almost like a scary stories to tell in the dark ending. Mm. Like the idea of like you he, you know he finally he finally opens his eyes and it's this like oh it wasn't even her talking but now they can both and mm-hmm. then like the old maybe maybe because it was old but just the audio effect of like their voices being deepened but yeah it was just like really creepy uh we learn a lot of like business about the jewels and like the big jewel and the little jewel Mm -hmm. and that was that's probably the most like the most plot heavy aspect of the whole story Mm mm-hmm Uh, the great mind's eye and the little mind's eye is what they're called. Because it's like the the jewel's important for the ending spoilers. So like it's kind of mm-hmm. tricky to like balance like, oh, yeah, these are important. This is how they work. But also like in like uh, including it in the story because the rest of it's just so character driven. Right. Yeah, right. I thought they did a good job of, of being like, oh, like. They're looking for this one who has the little one. Oh, like, and they're finding like Durgen, Durgen, Dogen's like journal. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if that was part. That was part three. Um, so I found a list of all of the remastered episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh. we have, we have uh, Day of the Daleks, uh, the Time Warrior, um. Ark in Space, Destiny of the Daleks, Kinda, Earthshock, Ark of Infinity, Black Guardian Trilogy, um, Planet of Fire, Revelation of the Daleks, Battlefield, and Curse of Fenric. Ooh. Um, though Battlefield and Curse of Fenric are just... Um, oh, wait. And Planet of Fire? All three of those are just... Um, recut into feature length episodes like mm-hmm. with all the cliffhangers removed um so <laughs> yeah That's um, but yeah but all the other ones have like new cgi effects kind of like the uh star trek tos remasters um though not as well done because, yeah yeah it wasn't wasn't shot on film so makes it <laughs> makes it more difficult well you would think with kinda they would do the second the second mara story yeah, you would think so, um, especially since it's the superior story. But I don't know. Is that uh, is that a hot take or is that pretty 
I this actually like, don't know this... if that's a hot take or not. I'm not sure. Do you know, Cass? I I don't know. I don't know either. I value how little all three of us feel the need to look into the wider Who fandom. Uh huh. Because uh-huh. I would just get angry, and I don't want to be angry about Doctor yeah. Who. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, it, it, it's kind of irrelevant because there's so m- many different iterations that it's just like, who cares what anyone's favorite is? Like, it doesn't, there's, yeah. there's, there's Doctor Who for everybody. Like, it doesn't matter at this point. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, I, 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 I was on YouTube like a few weeks ago and every once in a while I see like a thumbnail and it's like, why the Chibnall era was a failure. And it's like four hours long. <laughs> and I'm like. Oh, I for I forget that also exists with Doctor Who because it's a it's a geek thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like it's like Cass said. It's like no, this is like one of the few things that hasn't made me sad or doesn't make me sad or cynical or tired and kind of kind of like it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Snake Dance Part Three, written by Christopher Bailey, directed by Fiona Cumming, produced by John Nathan Turner, script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, January 25th, 1983. The doctor storms into Ambrose's office and tries to convince the historian that the Mara is real and among them. Ambrose orders the doctor to be sent to jail for wasting his time and being annoying. Lon, now under the control of the Mara, is next to visit Ambrose's office and is much more successful, stealing a jewel vital to bringing the Mara back to physical form and convincing Ambrose to follow him back to the caves. Now imprisoned in a jail cell, the doctor tries reasoning with an acolyte of Ambrose named Chella to free him, but to no avail. Lon lures Ambrose to the caves with the promise of finding new historical artifacts if he helps Lon hijack the upcoming ceremony. Nyssa finds the doctor in jail, and shortly after, they both read from a diary brought to them by Chella, who has warmed up to the doctor's affable personality and confident style. The diary belonged to Dojin, another historian who learned that the ancient Minusins used the psychic energy found in the crystals to accidentally create the Mara. Overwhelmed by the magnitude of his discovery, Dojin wandered hundreds of yards into the desert to be by himself for a while. Now convinced that the ceremony will awaken the Mara, Chella frees Nyssa and the Doctor just as Lon and several guards arrive to execute them. So, yeah, we get a lot of Dojin lore in episode three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we find out that he, like, saw the the truth of the Mara early on and, like, decided to retreat into the sands um, to, like, meditate and be on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, the doctor is imprisoned, right? He's in his little jail cell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like, the majority of this episode is the doctor in jail eventually Tegan joins him and then it's like cutting between that and a lot of like prince machinations of like <laughs> yes the prince just like walking into rooms and like being a dick to everybody and then leaving <laughs> i wish his name was prince machinations <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be good that would be good um also was i the only one picking up uh romance vibes between him and the curly haired guy that absolutely like they had vibes right Cass, i'm gonna walk you through this it's really funny that you two are like on board with (laughs) 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 that's so funny i will say (laughs) so he he comes to ambril 
Yeah. And he's like, hey, I know a secret place hidden away with all of this cool historical stuff. Follow me. I order you to come with me because like I'm the prince. And he goes, okay. And then it's like, here, let's steal these candles because it'll be dark and we need something <laughs> to light the way while we're in the caves. Oh, here, wear this. Here, let me put this blindfold on you and lead you. Lead you. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you weren't picking up on these vibes, Cass. <laughs> I, did you watch this episode with both fingers in your ears and your eyes well, closed and I going la, I was... la, 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 la? <laughs> I didn't have my gay goggles on. Sorry. <laughs> sure. I was too enamored oh, boy, with his I wardrobe. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, this whole yeah, so, and we'll get to. He hasn't even worn his best outfit yet. That's in the next episode. I I do like though that all of his outfits are similar. They're all, they all look yeah. like he's going to catch a hawk at some point. Like mm-hmm. every every outfit, he's got like hawk yeah. gloves on. Very falconer. Yes, falconer. That's yes. That's <laughs> that's the word. That is it. Um. So we learn that the Mara was actually created by this ancient civilization on Loco Ocho or whatever the planet's <laughs> name is. Um, Choco Taco. I, yeah, Choco Taco. <laughs> R.I.P. I thought, yeah, oh yeah, that's true. Um, and even though I'm having trouble remembering like immediately that like it, but I, I thought it was really cool. The idea that like, this ancient species was actually like super advanced and was able to even like curve matter and create life. It sounded like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ancient um, aliens. Did either of you pick up on more? It was. Yeah, it was ancient <laughs> aliens. <laughs> or like, um, you know how like you watch sci-fi movies now and it's all just like nanotech moving in like a big swarm. Mm-hmm. That's like yeah. kind of what I was imagining. Yeah. Um, there's a bit in this, uh, where there's a puppet show talking about oh my gosh. the Mara and, um, my cat gelato hated that puppet. <laughs> hated, it. hated it. He was sitting in my lap the whole time I was watching this. And when that puppet show happened, he was asleep. And when that puppet show started, he rose his head slowly and just started to like kind of arch his back while looking at the TV. <laughs> there was something about like the dumb noises they were making because like the puppet people like weren't speaking words. They were like making like mm-hmm. noises at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hated it. He hated That's it so, so much. Funny. Um, so it kind of sounded like the puppeteer or puppeteers were using like a voice box. Mm hmm. It had like that seventies like Eric Cloud. It was very unpleasant. I don't blame Gelato. <laughs> yeah, it was extremely unpleasant. Yeah, and it's <laughs> the like, kids were loving it though. It's like <laughs> over a minute long. The the puppet yeah. show scene, um, which I yeah, really like. Yeah. I really like all the world building stuff that gets a chance to breathe in this story. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because the puppet show is like the story of the Mara. It like drags the dude down and like mm-hmm. eats him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, every time I cut back to like a, a a featured kid extras like whimsical face watching this horrible <laughs> show. <laughs> um, uh. and then we get our second uh 
uh, person screaming cliffhanger only to be immediately fine in the next episode. Right. This is the worst cliffhanger I've seen in a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just like, we're going to kill them. And then like you come back to the next episode and it's like, no, don't do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I felt so bad for Nessa, like the actress, because uh-huh. like she had to scream for like no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you could tell that Christopher Bailey, like, the cliffhangers are not something that he respects. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he does not respect the sanctity of our cliffhangers. He's just like, can they just, can we just play this all all through? Like, I don't, this weekly installment business. <laughs> He's not yeah, into Yeah, it. like, it's different than a just a chapter ending, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has to be a cliffhanger. Yeah. Snake Dance, Part 4. Written by Christopher Bailey. Directed by Fiona Cumming. Produced by John Nathan Turner. Script edited by Eric Sayward. Air date, January 26, 1983. Tana arrives just in time to halt her son's order. The Doctor, Nyssa, and Shella manage to escape. Using the crystal he stole, the Doctor is able to summon Dojin, who teaches the Doctor a cool new way to get high called the Snake Dance. After letting a live snake bite their wrists, the Doctor and Dojin form a psychic connection, where the Doctor finally unloads all the guilt he feels over letting Tegan get possessed by the same evil snake god a second time, and Dojin teaches the Doctor a psychic technique that can ward off the Mars control. At the ceremony, the Doctor and Nyssa arrive too late to stop Lon from summoning the Mara, using Tegan to try and finally take physical form again. The Doctor uses the still point technique that Dojin taught him while they were both snake dancing out in the desert and is finally able to free Tegan from the Mars control. Uh, in part four, we get Lon fully in his villain era. <laughs> um, just infect. <laughs> just ready to. Oh, oh this, this whole time they've been preparing for this ceremony that's like the centerpiece of the the 400th anniversary of of the mar being destroyed mm-hmm. and right. so they've been like getting ready to go down into the, the the snake caves i guess um so we get everyone preparing for the day of the ceremony the doctor and nissa and the third guy are looking for dojin mm-hmm. because he has the little mind's eye right that's how we learn what a snake dance is. That was crazy. <laughs> do y'all want to talk about that that sequence? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, did they enter another dimension or was that just like outside the city? Um, I think they just like, like wandered into the desert. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like half an hour. And he was just yeah, yeah. But you know what's really interesting? What's really interesting about that scene is that it's not outside it's a set right but they shot it on 16 millimeter because that's what they do when they shoot out like like you know exterior stuff so they okay. made the audience be like oh this is outside like that's they used so that smart. like yeah, she used that to her advantage of like, oh, this is what Doctor Who fans are used to. Like, if it's outside, it looks like this. If it's inside, it looks like this. Mm-hmm. So I want to shoot this scene on 16 millimeter. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. 
She's a good director. <laughs> and even if I didn't, I don't know if my brain subconsciously clocked outside, but it did clock like other place. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. and it kind of added to that like kind of trippiness that we've been talking about. Um, yeah. But e- even more so is the part where they find Dr. 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 Drogan. Dr. 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 Skinny, skinny Ben Franklin snake guy. Yeah, skinny Ben Franklin snake guy. <laughs> and he and the doctor have like a Vulcan mind meld where the effect is a zoom in on both of their faces and they added like a squiggly after effect over just their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was it was incredible to watch. But we get a cool moment, a character moment, I thought, where we learn that the doctor holds a lot of guilt over what's happening to Tegan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and like, oh, it's my fault. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, he hasn't been sharing that. That means he's been keeping it inside. Yeah. He bottles up his feelings. Um, five. That's he's got he's got a little bit more of a stiff upper lip, I think, than than a lot of the other doctors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because that is a I often think I attribute that with 10. Mm. And I got so much so much 10 vibes this whole story. Yeah, I was also just thinking like just seeing the fifth doctor walk or walking around, I was just like, man, I would love another doctor that was like that whose outfit was like as well put together as the fifth doctors where it just it all feels like of a piece together. <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh wait, that's the 10th doctor." Like that's that was his thing. And then I was like, oh, right. And they inspired like he, th- that, like the fifth doctor inspired the 10th doctor. And that's mm-hmm. why he wears tennis shoes and all of that. And I was like, huh, they really did it, didn't they? Like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, man, they really did it. <laughs> or like, uh, uh, like, like there's little moments where he like his hands would be in his coat pockets, you know, mm-hmm. and he would just kind of be like look, looking around. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I definitely, I would like another doctor that is a little more put together than like 12 and 13. As much as I like, I love 13's outfit and like, obviously I love all of 12's like variations of what he wears, Mm -hmm. but it would be really cool to see like a, a, a uniform, like 13 had a uniform, but like she had like more of like a uniform, like nine had a uniform, which was just like. Yeah, you know, I have like seven of the same T-shirt, and like I wear that, you know, with mm-hmm. my jacket. Um, I would like to see like a real like put together outfit again, like like ten, and I guess like eleven. But even eleven has like two outfits, and I prefer one over the other. Yeah, so. yeah. It's always a bummer when the shift happens. <laughs> it kind of seems like already there's a lot of hype surrounding like what 14's aesthetic's going to be. Yeah, I know. I know. There kind He's of always so is. But he yeah, and and I just like just trying to think about like what I always say it, but I want one of these one of these goddamn doctors to bring back the scarf. I want the scarf back. Um and I feel like I feel like I I don't know. I feel like 14 would look good in the scarf. He'd probably look good in everything. But, like, you know, the scarf or a scarf? No, a scarf. Okay. A scarf. A scarf. Yeah. Yeah. 13 scarf. But 
13 wore a scarf for New Year's Day and like a lot of the promo material, mm-hmm. but I can't picture her wearing it like in the episode. Yeah, I can't either, actually. Hmm. Huh. Which is a bummer. Yeah. Uh, but speaking oh. of killer looks, uh, <laughs> Lon's ceremony outfit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so first off, the actor crushes it. The actor walks out 100% feeling like, I, I believe that he thinks that he's wearing like, you know, he's about to hit the Mac Gala. Mm-hmm. Um, would you call it like a chest plate? Like what would or a tunic? What would you call the that like the chest thing? Um, I don't know. I probably like a tunic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tunic because it's the shoulders are very defined, but it's not armor, right? You know what it was reminding me of for whatever reason. It doesn't look like anything like he wore, but there's something about the color and the whole vibe. I was thinking of like young. Jercules, like in the Disney <laughs> Hercules, like oh. when he was like a teenager, yeah. like that's that's he he just gave, gave off that Jercules vibe. I don't because, know because like the the tunic or whatever is like really short. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it's just like the cut of it, and it's got the like, and the, also the clouds and sky. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've been burying the lead listeners. The whole design is just a cloudy blue, like Pixar sky. Yeah. Like Andy's um, and bedroom. Little, <laughs> like Andy's bedroom. And little sandals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, how yeah, do I look, sand- mother? The sandals definitely bring it into, like, Greek territory as well, I think. Yeah. Um. um so they go down to the festival, and then Lon ruins the festival. <laughs> and says, be like, this is a lie. <laughs> the Mara's not even real. And I think my favorite part of the whole episode is... So like the whole ceremony's down there and there's been a guy who is carrying the the float snake, the parade snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And later on when Lon is giving his evil monologue, everyone is attend like looking up at him and the guy controlling the snake puppet has the snake's head turned. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> you can't break the illusion. <laughs> right? Yeah. This could be Not a it. test. Right. Um, and so Dojin teaches the doctor a mind, like a mind Kung Fu technique. Yeah. Like a protection like, spell kind of. Yeah. That will fortify yeah. his mind and allow him to fight the Mara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Which we didn't even talk about how they went into this state of being together, this mind meld, which is that they both force a snake to bite them and Mm -hmm. then they get high on the venom. That's how this is happening. So, you know. (laughs) Very different again. Is it? Yeah. Is this, is this canonically the, the first time that the doctor has ever gotten high? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> just ever tuned in dropped out and yeah <laughs> i think so that's funny come on sarah jane let's drop some acid let's drop some <laughs> <laughs> go to a party oh, oh doctor <laughs> um <and laughs> 
I was imagining the fourth doctor and Sarah Jane like going to a rave in 1999. <laughs> yeah. Like spaced. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Got like a, got a cat in the hat hat. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And a, and a pacifier. Oh my God. <laughs> a candy necklace. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, I think the part where the Mara fused with Tegan like needed like a sensory warning. Oh, probably yeah, the, like the blinking. Yeah, yeah, probably. Or, it was just like, the hyper cutting back and forth. Yeah, um, that also felt like it was a minute. Yeah, it was a long time. the The transition too of her entering its mouth, like yeah. as that, like with the blinking, the flashing back and forth, and the blinking, and then suddenly, like. The Mara's blinking, but she's not anymore. And then the Mara stops blinking and she's inside the Mara. Like, it was a really cool effect considering, you know, this is 1983 and they're editing on videotape, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, the snake, though, looked spectacular. Mm. I When his mouth opened, that was such a cool effect. Yeah. Like, his mouth, like, unfurled. That was cool. Cass wanted CGI. I do. I think the puppet is interesting. <laughs> oh, like, for sure. I think the um, I guess like when it dies, it's not great, you know, because it's just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a puddle of goo. Yeah, it's yeah. Like vomiting pudding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also I think that's why it would be so cool for the Mara to come back is because now with like the budget the BBC has like. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's just a big snake. Like, it's such a cool, simple design. Mm-hmm. You know what they, oh, man, they should, he, he's been wanting, or they, um, they have been wanting to write an episode of Doctor Who. But if you brought back the Mara and had Grant Morrison write it. Whoa. Oh, wow. That would be nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so good. Wow. Has has Grant has yeah. Grant Morrison has Grant Morrison seen Snake Dance? Yeah, he's seen all of Do- all of Doctor Who. He loves they, okay. they they love Doctor Who. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, this feels yeah. I could see I could just I could picture some of these being like I know like being like Grant Morrison style like panels. I know he's not an artist, but like yeah, that like trippy. Mm-hmm. Like oh yeah, <laughs> do it. Um, and nobody dies. Nobody dies except for the except for the Mara, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's who's the, vom- the vom the vomit? It's so funny that they're just like, let's have the Mara vomit to show that it's dead. <laughs> um, but like, yeah. But it's its tongue is out on the ground, and it just looks like an unmanned puppet now. But then there's this pool of gooey vomit on the ground that looks like somebody dumped a bunch of like those quarter machine slime. The quarter yeah. machine slime that you tap and just dumped it onto the ground in a pile. <laughs> oh, uh, you go back and make that a meme. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh man. And then, and yeah, we talked about the, the abrupt ending earlier. Mm-hmm. Although we do get that really great shot of of uh, skinny Ben Franklin Snake Guy being like, "My job here is done," and then and he like, just like wanders off, off into yeah. the sun. <laughs> yes, even further into the desert. 
Yeah. He like gets up and he walks over to the edge and then takes a look back and then like walks off into the <laughs> desert. I think my work here is done. Yeah. Gives give I, gives us all a little nod. I got the Good doctor job. high. <laughs> That'll do, Snake. That'll do. <laughs> so oh. yeah, quite the, the, the tale. Yeah, the doctor's like the Mara has been destroyed. Credits. I just yeah. instant credits. <laughs> Pew credits. <laughs> Which, uh, as we as we mentioned, would later turn out to be a lie. Uh-huh. Indeed. So good that's, Yeah. That's good thing. companions. Good mm-hmm. com- good use of both companions, I thought. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, next time, next season, uh, on, on long way around when we do fifth doctor again, we are introduced to a new companion, mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is this the one yeah. that you, you, you say that I would really like? No. Okay. I mean, I don't think you're going to like dislike him necessarily, but like. I don't think it's not going to be somebody you're going to be like pumped about or mm-hmm. anything. Um, um, okay. I don't want to know too. Okay. Is he in the like little smart boy category or like weirdly too old category? More in the smart boy category, but he's got more of like a Draco Malfoy vibe to him. Oh, I like that. He's a little snooty. Yeah. Less, oh. less, less smarty pants and more snooty. Kind of like Eustace from The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I do not understand that reference. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, so we get we get an introduction uh, to a new companion next season. I wish Doctor. I wish with- there were more stories of just Nissa and Tegan because I really like. Mm-hmm the vibe like of just the, those two and the doctor. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I don't mind Turlo. That's kind yeah. of the one downside of this story is Tegan is, is, you know, fully the baddie in this one. Right. So you don't get a lot of Nissa and Tegan mm-hmm. like bouncing off each other. Right. Right. Um, I just wish there were more, just Doctor and Nissa stories, like just the two of them. Um, but I don't know. I really like their dynamic. There's that great moment in, in the first episode where they like, they leave the tart, they go to leave the TARDIS, and Nissa opens the door, and then the Doctor comes by to open the door, and he closes it, and then he's like, he go, he walks up to the door, and he's like, <laughs> like why is it closed? And then she <laughs> flips the switch again, and then it opens, and he goes, <laughs> and she's so mad about it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's so fun. Um but uh anyway. Uh it's uh it was, it's a good one. It's mm-hmm. a good one. It really is. I think um, talking about it has made me like it even more. Yeah, yeah. Certainly. Um but uh anyway. If they had gotten the snake to vomit, that would have been a notch up. <laughs> yeah that's good <laughs> that would have been good um 
So next time on the show, uh, <laughs> womp womp, not something to look forward to. Um, we're back to trial of the time lord, t- right. trial of a time lord, um, with uh, easily the worst section of trial of a time lord, um, which is mind warp. Uh, it is. Ugh. The worst. <laughs> right. So the it's the return of a of a previous six doctor villain. Um the little the little wormy the little, Oh no. The little effing yeah. slug yeah. that I hate Sluggy. so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that whips his tongue in and out while going la 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 la. That guy. Uh, you know what I, you know what I hate about <laughs> this era is like it in addition to like, you know, the six doctor stuff and the Perry stuff that I've talked about a lot. There's such like a like a visual unpleasantness to a lot of that era. Yep, yep. And this is quite possibly the most visually unpleasant episode of the entire era. Um, it's a rough one. Uh, it's a rough one. So well, that's next week. Apologies in advance, everyone, including myself. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, they don't have. They don't want to watch this it's not again. Like they have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the last time any of us have to watch it at least. Um That's but true. uh yeah. Anyway, mind warp. At least on the other side of that we got an absolute banger. But um first we got to get through mind warp. Oh, yikes. Anyway, the four um, parts. Yeah, four parts. Okay. Uh at least it's not two 45-minute episodes this time. That they they're done with that. Right, <laughs> they're done with that. That was that was a bad idea. That was that was a bad idea. All right, next time's mind warp. Check out the Patreon duelinggenre.com slash support. We want to do those uh, brackets, um, those Doctor Who brackets. We want to do. I've I've been thinking about doing like villains brackets for like Moffat pen stories. Bracket brackets for Russell T Davies pen stories. We want to talk Craig about episodes. Yeah, we want to talk about um, the uh, the uh, uh, what was it? <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, the uh, the Russell T Davies stuff that he's done since leaving Doctor Who. We want to talk about that mm. stuff. Um, right, all right. Of that stuff we would be doing on the Patreon. So if you if any of that content sounds interesting, go to duelinggenre.com slash support and let us know that's what you want to hear. So put your <laughs> foot down. Um, <laughs> Anyway, all right, that's that. We'll be back next week with the Sixth Doctor and a, a little sluggy guy. Bye, everybody. Bye. May you may you never know the serpent sting. <laughs>